2: Welcome in to the NFL Mocks Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. And as always, we're coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And my boy, Sarah's out there in Omaha, Nebraska. Sarah, how are we doing on this fine Monday evening, my brother?
3: Oh, man. I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. It's been a great day. It was a good weekend. So I'm excited to talk some football, man. No doubt. That's
2: what we do here on the NFL Mocks Podcast. We talk a little bit of football, a lot of bit of football, depending on what night it is. And it is Bachelorette night, or at least mm. it was. I don't know if your significant other made you sit through it, Sarah. But, you know, I took a nice one here some Bachelorette today. Uh, you know, all that melodramatic stuff kind of doesn't really sit for me, man. It's not really for me. All that stuff's fake.
3: Yeah, you know, we actually we started watching, um, I don't know, it's been a couple weeks now, the show Lucifer on Netflix. It's pretty pretty popular right now it's um so quick shout out to one of my favorite shows of all time CSI and uh CSI was made by this Mm. dude by the name of Jerry Bruckheimer who has basically recreated the show and uh added celestial beings to the mix and so it's pretty cool man I kind of getting to relive my old CSI days from from back in the day when Nick Stokes and Gil Grissom and the crew were were hitting it and uh it's, really, it's actually a really good show, so not bad.
2: Well, there you go, NFL mocks episode right here, two and a half minutes in, and we're talking Bachelorette, Lucifer, <laughs> and a little bit of CSI action. Um, but not, nah, man, we've got a great show for the listeners playing tonight. We're going to do a little fantasy-oriented stuff here on the episode. It is mid-year, or excuse me, start of June right here. OTAs are cooking up, but you know – the news storylines are a little slow right now in the NFL world, Sarah. So what we're going to bring to people is the impact rookies, as we did a couple episodes ago. But, you know, this time more oriented towards the fantasy folks out there, um, and especially those dynasty and keeper leagues, man. Hitting these rookies is very, very important if you're going to be successful in the fantasy world uh, in terms of fantasy football. So what we're going to do here today is we're going to give you our five must and our five bust, if you will, uh from this to nfl draft so it's going to be rookies only obviously there's no need for you to know that obj is going to be dominant this year of course he's going to be a fantasy impactful player of course antonio deandre hopkins all these guys obviously you know their names but today we're going to bring you some rookies that you should definitely draft and some rookies that you should probably stay away from on the waiver wire come weeks one and two because they're ultimately not going to produce this football season, at least in terms of our eyes. Sarah,
3: are you ready? Oh, I'm ready, man. I'm ready.
2: All right, let's start with you, man. I guess we'll go a must and then a bust from each of us. Um, We'll start with your first must. Who is a guy that you should absolutely be paying attention to in terms of fantasy value this year as a rookie?
3: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take from this is my my brothers, both my older brothers, their favorite football team is just the Chicago Bears. And uh, mm. I think the Chicago Bears have what I would pick to be the number one fantasy rookie in the NFL this year, and that's running back David Montgomery. I hate to do it because he played for the Iowa State Cyclones, man, and that goes against my Hawkeye uh, tendencies here. But David Montgomery a really good player, and he's going to a great offensive system. So many good players around him there in Chicago, including Tariq Cohen, but I think Montgomery is really going to be that guy who who carries the full load as the main running back with Cohen playing that receiver role that he play, played primarily last year. So David Montgomery is my one must-have, the number one pick, so to speak, for for rookies in fantasy this year for me.
2: Yeah, no, David, or excuse me, yeah, definitely a great pick there out of Iowa State. I got a stat for you because he was on my list as well here in the pre show work that I did last year, man. George 150 carries in that Chicago Bears offense. And obviously, that's now vacated with him there in Philadelphia via a uh, trade, I think, for just a fifth round pick there uh, prior to the draft. And to be honest with you, the only guy he's really going to have to beat out there in camp for those early down touches is Mike Davis. Davis, the former running back out of South Carolina, obviously via Seattle. They're out there, uh, spent a couple of years there with the Seahawks. So he'll have to battle him out early in camp, like I said, for those early first touches. But 250 carries last year uh, there for Jordan Howard. Um, The carry split, I think, was 250 to 99 there for Tariq Cohen. Obviously more of a weapon there in that offense, not necessarily a traditional running back. So that's probably, um, you know, the main reason – why David Montgomery's climbing up boards in terms of fantasy value. And, I, I, you know, he was on my board right here at number five. So I'll have to, you know, fill in some later on towards. So, but a guy I'm absolutely looking forward to as a must, a guy that you're going to have to get on your rosters this year is a guy by the name of Debo Samuel out there in San Francisco. This after catch monster. In fact, he was second in this entire draft class last year. Uh, with the most yards after catch coming into the NFL out of South Carolina there. Um, and I think in just terms of sheer opportunity to be the primary receiver, he's got the best chances to do so um, in terms of fantasy value. I mean, yeah, the Niners have George Kittle on their roster still, but outside of that, man, he's going to fight guys like Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, and Dante Pettis for touch. all three of those names. Debo Samuel, that has tremendous upside over those guys in terms of value here uh, in the fantasy ranks. And I think he's, like I said, as good or better of an options there uh, for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. But again, man, no one creates more opportunities for their guys to make big plays after the catch than Kyle Shanahan out there in San Francisco, if you don't believe me, did last season. So Debo Samuel, a guy who I'm definitely looking forward to drafting um, probably going to have to draft him. He's not going to be available on, on waiver wires. Uh, what do you think about that pick there, sir?
3: Yeah, that's a great pickup. I love Debo Samuel, love his game. And you made a great point about Kyle Shanahan creating yak for his players. And obviously George Kittle led the NFL in that category last year, but a cool stat about George Kittle and just that offense in general, he has the highest yards after catch for any offensive player in the NFL. Over the last three seasons, so uh, uh, per touch, and that's, I mean, he's getting 130, I think 135 plus targets in last year's offense, and he averaged over 10 yards after the catch per reception. So we're talking about an offense, like you said, Kyle Shanahan knows how to get it done, and and I think it's gonna, I think that's gonna be a great pick for for that team in general, but for also for your fantasy team. So I like the Debo Samuel selection there.
2: All right, man, who's your next must-have in terms of rookie's value this year?
3: Next must-have for me, man, I, I hate to do this again, but I got to go with a New England Patriots player, and I'm going to go with Nikhil Harry. We've talked about him you know, at length on this podcast before, but I think that he's definitely a, the type of player that can make an instant impact. We saw back in 2010 Josh McDaniels drafted – two wide receivers with the Denver Broncos, Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker. And those guys didn't have huge fantasy impact year one, Mm. but actually both of them were kind of dealing with some injury stuff. So I think that there's definitely a role that he can play in this Patriot offense. I'm skeptical because of the way that that Belichick has used rookie receivers in the past or that McDaniels has used rookie receivers in the past. But I think this is an offense that's geared towards getting a player like Nikhil Harry uh, a good amount of touches throughout the season, and especially with Gronkowski off the table. I think there's going to be a lot more of a timeshare for him there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think Nikhil Harry is one of those guys that if I'm, I'm kind of trying to sneak somebody under the table late in my fantasy draft, and you may not be able to do it by the time August rolls around, but uh, if you're if you're doing like a dynasty draft here coming up relatively soon or whatever whatever you end up doing – Nikhil Harry is definitely a guy that I'd be trying to sneak in there uh, as one of my picks.
2: No, I like that pick in Nikhil Harry a lot as well. Um, my only thing there with rookies in, in terms of Tom Brady, you know, obviously he's a big, you know, developer relationships type of guy in terms of his receivers. Got to be able to develop that rapport. Uh, he works a lot off body language and just unwritten or unspoken type things there. That's why he's developed such a relationship with guys like Julian Edelman and obviously Gronk, Like right? right? You, like you mentioned, you l- lose that safety valve in Rob Gronk. So Nikhil Harry off, obviously going to get a lot of touches and opportunities. And man, that's what it's about right here with these rookies, especially in terms of fantasy value. You want a guy who's going to get a lot of looks throughout the year, um, as a rookie in his first season there. And I think Nikhil Harry, um, you know, if you're going to spend a first round draft pick on that guy, uh, Bill Belichick's definitely want to get his use out of that. Uh, My next must off the board I've got to take, it's got to be D.K. Metcalf, man. And I'm well-documented, not necessarily the biggest D.K. Metcalf fan, and obviously heard the complaints about Metcalf more times than you can imagine at this point if you've listened to any draft coverage, uh, especially here in the NFL Mocs, we've obviously talked about what that young man can't do right now as a as an athlete and as a receiver. But if there's one thing he does do well, we've talked about this as well. It's run deep balls, man. He runs a good route and probably the best nine route of any receiver in this draft, maybe outside of Hollywood Brown. If you just line him up and say, hey, beat him deep, these two guys are probably the best at it in DK Met Hollywood Brown. But the only difference is no quarterback in the NFL throws a better deep ball than Russell Wilson, in my opinion. Look, the deep high arching balls that Russell Wilson throws, they're going to look majestic being run down by this <laughs> freak right here in DK Metcalf. Take that along with the fact that Doug Baldwin has got a big time season in store for Mr. Metcalf. Only Baltimore ran the ball more than Seattle last season, which is a primary point of concern. But they love him, and that's something he will strive in there in Seattle. Fun fact I found over on NFL.com. Russell Wilson ranked last in attempts per game last season, but yet he in the league in attempts of torrents or more. And again, that's DK Metcalf's specialty. I love DK Metcalf in this offense and in this offense uh, in particular. You know, he's not going to be asked to run a lot of hits. He's not going to be asked to run a lot of, you know, complex routes, no whips, none of that stuff where he's got to get in and out of breaks. He's going to be asked to run a lot of double moves. He's going to be asked to run a lot of play action stuff and a lot of deep running routes stuff that he's going to really excel in. So, I think it's definitely a system that fits him. I love DK Metcalf here as a must-have in late round drafts, um especially in dynasty and keeper leagues.
3: I like that pick. That's a good one. That's a good pick right there. It's a, it's a definitely uh kind of what do they call that? A boomer bust type of pick. Um literally for the Seahawks, you know, as for his pro career in general, but also for fantasy football. I think you could get a really great value in his rookie season, the guy who excels at catching the deep ball or, you know, you just never know. I mean, he could get injured. Like I mean, he struggled with injuries in college. So he's one that I'd be a bit leery of, but I can't, I can't hit on that pick, man. I think the logic you showed me the light on the logic for that pick before he was even picked by the Seahawks. So I'm with you on it. Um, I think the next guy for me that I'm going to pick, I'm going to stay in that same division and I'm going to go, here's, here's a scenario for you. Uh, this is what I hate the most during the season: when my starting quarterback is out on a bye week, and I have to go scramble for some Andy Dalton. You know, I hate to even say this, but Joe Flacco type guy. So, who do you want? What do you? What do you want? No. Not necessarily who. What do you want on that bye week or late in the season? If you're if your guy's going through a little dry spell or whatever, he's got a tough game on the schedule. You're kind of wondering who to ride. I'm saying Kyler Murray, man. If you're talking about, hey, I could go and win my fantasy week on my starting QBs bye week by drafting this guy, mm-hmm. that's a that's a one win that you can put on the docket, man, because Kyler Murray could go out there, and you never know what week he's going to go get you 35, 40 points in in a standard scoring league just because he's such a dynamic playmaker Always a threat to, to rush for a touchdown. He's so fast. Um, he's going to rack up yards on the ground. I think he's going to be a much better passer very quickly than people assume. So I'm going to say fantasy-wise, man, if, if I'm looking at a guy who, you know, say you take a, a player like Matt Ryan who's kind of had, you know, maybe some up-and-down fantasy years over the past few years, Well, what if Matt Ryan, you draft Matt Ryan as your QB one, and then later on, a little bit later on, you draft Kyler Murray. All of a sudden, Matt Ryan starts struggling after games four, five, or six, and you can put Kyler Murray in on the bye week and just see how it goes. Whatever whatever happens, happens, and then, oh, Kyler Murray just got me 40 points. Oh, Kyler Murray just got me 25. He just got me 30. I think that that's a sneaky pick right there. If this guy catches some fire, especially late in the year, I think Kyler Murray is a guy that you're going to want to have on your team.
2: No, I like that pick a lot. It's like I, I like all your – obviously, you're my co-host. That's why I'm on here because you're good at what you do. Um, and he's definitely a guy that's going to have to be subbed in, right? He's not going to be a QB1, or at least you're probably not going to – you know, a draft He's definitely going to be – you know, he's not one of the top 12 quarterbacks in terms of fantasy value, just off the rip as a rookie. But like you say, man, it's – you know, even if you have a league, it's probably, you know, 20 to 21 quarterbacks that are on roster if you really – take into account that everyone does have a bye weekend back there at the quarterback position. So I think you hit on a lot of things right there, especially the the dynamic ability that he brings to the table. Look, Josh Allen, I, I believe, finished up a top 10 fantasy quarterback last year, and he almost did it all legs because the you know rushing yards accounted so highly there for quarterbacks. So I like to the pick there in Kyler Murray, and I'm going to stay out West, too, and I'm going to take Josh Jacobs here, man. Look. The Oakland Raiders' Mm. offense probably – actually, let's not even call it probably. They definitely won't break any world records this season in terms of offensive production. Jacobs is going to be the primary back from week one until the wheels literally fall off this guy. For you guys that are in dynasty or keeper leagues, I really think Josh could go as early as pick number one, especially if you have running back issues there in those dynasty leagues. I think he has that much value over the next five seasons, literally. I think John Gruden is actually – gonna run this dude into the ground and look man the right side of his offensive line say what you want about colton miller but the right side of his offensive line looks pretty stout. you got rodney hudson there at the center position he's a top five center in the nfl gabe jackson there at the guard he's no slouch and of course trent brown right there at right tackle they will holes in the run game i'm not here to say that you know you know copious amounts of sacks there but they will run the ball effectively Mm -hmm. at least to that right side colton miller is soft. Don't expect him to you know, run in power to the left side of the line. Um, but, you know, again, Jacobs didn't get overworked in college, and that's a really good thing because he's going to get more than his fair share of the load here in Oakland. Just a numbers thing, and it's just an opportunities thing for me uh, here with Josh Jacobs. They were linked to him in the draft as early as we possibly could find it there, first-round pick there at 24. So we kind of knew it was going to happen, and it ended up happening there. For the Oakland Raiders, and again, man, I think he's going to get a ton of touches. That's why I'm taking him here as a fancy must. So that's three off the board for me. Um, and Sarah, we need your fourth. Let's get your fourth, buddy.
3: All right, you know I got to put on the orange shades at least once every episode, baby. So I'm taking Noah Fant right here, the tight end for the Denver Broncos, and it's oh, give it to it. Me. It, it, it just breaks me at the very core of my being to have to choose between my two Iowa boys here, TJ Hawkinson. And Noah fan but I think Hawkinson, If, in all fairness, all things considered, let me pull off the orange shades for a second and talk as a, just a fantasy football player here for a minute. TJ Hawkinson has to deal with Jesse James being up ahead of him on the depth chart right now. and Even if he's not up ahead of him on the depth chart, Jesse James was a big money free agent acquisition. The Detroit Lions are going to get him the ball, and the Denver Broncos don't really have that big money free agent acquisition, even though they did bring back Jeff Hireman from last year, who's coming off like a career high thirty some catches, and then Jake Butts coming back from injury. But I think Noah Fant was drafted, you know, to a similar offense like we talked about with uh, Debo Samuel, like you said, to get yards after the catch. And Noah Fant is going to have a very similar role. The, the Broncos' offensive coordinators already talked about it as George Kittle, and we know what George Kittle does after the catch, and we know how dynamic of an athlete Noah Fant is, and how good he is in the red zone. So I just imagine Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman banging it out between the 20s, and then you get the ball to Noah Fant and see what this guy can do. I wouldn't be surprised if he has seven, eight touchdowns this year, maybe more if I'm being really optimistic, but I don't think that's out of the realm of Realism. I mean, the dude has caught 19 touchdowns over the last three years, 18 in his final two seasons at Iowa. He's a touchdown machine. He's a red zone weapon. And he's a guy who I think could be the number one rookie tight end from this class. So if I'm looking for a tight end too, or just a flex, like a flex option late in the season, you just want to sneak somebody in there who might have a big week. I think Noah Fant is definitely a guy that you want to look out for.
2: I like that pick as well, man. And I'm going to stick at the tight end position. This is a guy we talked about last show, man. Dawson Knox up low. Man, it looks like he's going to start day one there in week one uh, for the Bills. Listen to this, Sarah. Josh Allen targets his tight ends, Azen. And with guys like Charles Clay and Logan Thomas, both no longer on the roster, it's pretty safe to assume that Dawson Knox is the bolt. Was touched there in that dude's got really natural hands, and even though, fun fact, he hasn't scored a touchdown since high school, dating all the way back to high school. Because hmm. if you guys remember, he was tied up in the, um, I wouldn't call it explosive off- offense in at Ole Miss, but a crap ton of weapons. They had four receivers now, uh, in NF, in and of course, playing tight end there. Uh, not the greatest quarterback play at Ole Miss either from Jordan Tamu. Uh, Not meaning to sit out here and take shots on Tamu, but you had that uh, wide receiver and tight end, and you didn't quite do much at it. But nonetheless, I pretty much can guarantee Dawson Knox is going to go off in Buffalo this year. Just got a sneaky feeling about this former walk-on, again, out of Ole Miss there. I like Dawson Mm -hmm. Knox to do big things here in Buffalo. And again, he's already impressed in OTAs. He's already climbed up to the top of that depth. Again, not not very high to climb on that depth chart there in Buffalo.
3: Yeah, I can definitely see that, especially since, like you said, he's already getting looks as the starter. Josh Allen's going to target him quite often. He's got the athleticism. He's got great speed. Uh, and they've got some more players around him who could take attention off of him, right? So that's a nice pick right there. And uh, are we on the are we on our last pick already, man? Shoot, for the guys that we want to draft, this is tough.
2: Yeah, you're on your last one, yeah, man. Ah, guys, man. absolute
3: must. All right, absolute must. All right, here's where I'm going to go. And we didn't talk about this on the on the podcast. I I wanted to mention it, but I totally spaced on it. Players who benefit most from their new quarterback. And I totally forgot to mention Ohio State wide receiver Terry McLaurin because had he had his teammate Dwayne Haskins not been drafted by the Washington Redskins who knows if he would have been drafted by the Washington Redskins because Dwayne Haskins said after the first round he's like basically like hey you know it'd be cool if we could draft one of my former teammates and sure enough the Redskins oblige and they get Terry McLaurin and it just so happens the Redskins have a desperate need at the receiver position i mean Josh Doxon where's he been he's kind of a last chance you know, last chance, you type of player here in the NFL. Um, He needs to prove that he can still play. Uh, But Terry McLaurin, big-time senior bowl, wasn't Haskins' number one target at Ohio State, but I don't think that really matters. They have chemistry. They know each other. And if Haskins ends up starting, I think you watch out for this guy as kind of a late-season developer here who could really come on and start racking up catches at the end of the year.
2: Not a bad pick there in Terry McLaurin, obviously not on my my list. And like you said, late-round guy um, and probably had it not been for Dwayne Haskins, banging the table there for Terry McLaurin. We probably don't see him even as early as we did there with Washington. So a guy, like I said, I didn't necessarily have on my board for a must, um, but a guy who I did have to add on to my board because you took my boy Dave Montgomery off my list has to be Miles Sanders there the former Penn State running back, now in Philadelphia, he'll obviously have to battle out with Jordan Howard and Jamal Adams. There, pick out of Notre Dame that played so well last year for them there in Philadelphia. But you know, kind of a running back by committee, or excuse me, Josh Adams, not Jamal Adams. I apologize for that. But nonetheless, mm. a quarterback or running back by committee there in Philadelphia. That's kind of how they do it there. But I think he's going to get some. You know, majority of these touches in Philadelphia just because I know what he can do out of the backfield. Now, fumbling has been an issue, um, but maybe he gets that tucked away. Um, and, again, I'm kind of grasping for straws here because you did, in fact, take my boy Dave Montgomery, who I think is <laughs> going to have a really big year, like you mentioned, um, there in Chicago. But I like Miles Sanders, and I like what that Philadelphia offense is doing. Got a ton of weapons, uh, something I'll be hitting on here in my bust. i let you start off with the must. And I'm going to go ahead and start off with the bust. And this may sound like a hot take, and I'm really not trying to go there. Um, But my number one, stay away from, absolutely avoid, especially in these Keeper League drafts, Um, an absolute bust, not just because of him. But because of the situation, it's Hollywood Brown, man. Look, I was well-documented on my affinity for Hollywood Brown coming out of Oklahoma. But the reality of the situation here, Sarah, is he played with much, much better throwing quarterbacks in his three years at Oklahoma uh, in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray than, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson could even dream of being uh, in terms of just a pure pocket or just a pure thrower of the football as we sit right now Lamar Jackson's just not nearly on that level I like Lamar Jackson but he's just not like I said a developed thrower of the football and if he can't make those 30 40 yard down the field throws that eliminates a large portion of Hollywood Browns weaponry in my opinion not to mention the fact that Baltimore ran the football on 64 percent of snaps from scrimmage last year once Lamar Jackson took over the quarterback role last season That type of limited opportunities will hamper his production as well there in Baltimore. So, again, not really uh, a comment, uh, you know, negatively about Hollywood Brown or anything he can do because, again, my affinity for Mr. Marquis Brown out of Oklahoma was pretty well documented here on the NFL Mocks podcast. But, man, again, it's kind of just a – you know, a knock on his quarterback situation there in Baltimore. Had it been a guy like Joe Flacco, who I know can unleash a deep ball, maybe I'd be a little bit higher on Hollywood Brown. Um, but for me, man, it's kind of an avoid here. I got to stay away from Marquise Brown, even though the, you know, the potential's tremendous there. What do you think about that, man? Is that a too hot of a take, or are you kind of with me because
3: of my reasoning? I'm definitely with you on that, man, because I think Hollywood Brown's got, you know, like you said, 64%. Man, running the ball with Lamar Jackson taking the snaps—I think that's—it's kind of like a uh, "here's our secret weapon" type of situation, more so than here we're going to unleash Marquise Brown like Oklahoma did. I don't think it's that kind of a situation there. So I'm with you on that, man. I think that's that's a player that I would definitely shy away from draft. I would let somebody else overdraft him based on what he did at Oklahoma and me try to stay mm-hmm. smart and underdraft him based on what I think he's going to do right away in Baltimore. So, fantasy-wise, that's definitely the case. But you never know. I mean, he could have he could have two catches for, you know, 60 yards in a game and help the Baltimore Ravens win, but we're talking fantasy here. We're not talking in-game impact. So, I'm definitely with you. I'm gonna stay.
2: All right, who's your who's your first bust off your list? Yeah, yeah, man,
3: I'm gonna stay at the wide receiver position, and I'm gonna take a player uh, that I think this could be kind of perceived in a similar light. You know, it's not supposed to be a hot take, but I think a lot of people thought that or think that the situation with Tyree Hill is just going to be a plug and play situation based on who Patrick Mahomes is and how he's gotten so good. But let's not forget that Patrick Mahomes got so good last year because of the players around him. We saw when they sat a lot of the starters in his first ever career start with the, with the against the Denver Broncos, he didn't have the the video game-like stats. I and mean, the Chiefs had an unprecedented run of good health last year from their skill position players, and especially Tyreek Hill. Uh, so I think that, This is a situation where McCole Hardman, he's not going to be able to come in and be Tyreek Hill, okay? And it's not just a situation where you can plug any old guy into Andy Reid's offense. I mean, how many other players have we seen get plugged into that Chiefs offense over the years who haven't done what Tyreek Hill has done? He is an elevated, insane-level talent, and it's amplified by Patrick Mahomes. And I think Hardman could do well, but I think if we're expecting him to be you know, what people call like a handcuff for Tyreek Hill. I don't think that that's no pun intended, by the way. I I don't think that that's going to be a similar situation there. I think Nicole Hardman is definitely the type of player that you would stash away later, but I think somebody's going to overdraft him based on Tyreek Hill's situation and the fact that they think that Patrick Mahomes is just going to make him this all pro right away. I think that's too high of expectations for him, so he's the number one guy that I'm staying away from.
2: I mean, to me, man, I think it's sketchy in general. We we really haven't heard much from the camp out there in the Kansas City on the whole Tyreek Hill situation. And I think that a lot of that is by design. I think they're kind of waiting for the NFL and the NFL sitting on their hands in general because this is something they're not really accustomed to dealing with. I mean, we're talking about something in, involving with children, and even you know the 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 law itself doesn't really seem to want to touch this very much either so I don't really know what the situation with Tyreek Hill is going to be the guy could be available week one and play all 16 games or you know he could get a four game suspension or whatever it's going to be we haven't we've literally heard nothing Uh, from the situation, which to me means it's probably leaning more towards the guys available to play. I know, Sarah, that probably, you know, irks you and maybe sticks a a thorn in your side there um, just because I know how you feel about these types of situations, especially coming from, you know, a father like yourself. But I I really don't – we haven't heard anything about it. And to me, that again, like I said, that leans more towards the fact that I think Tyreek Hill's available week one, which obviously – Uh, would make you want to stay away from drafting or picking up Miko Hardman uh, because, you said, I don't think it's necessarily a handcuff there for Tyreek Hill. Even if he is, you know, even if Tyreek Hill does get suspended or whatever, Miko Hardman, like you said, does not automatically step in and account for all that production. So my second guy that I'm going to stay away from is a little guy, not a little guy, a big guy by the name of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Here's another guy, man. I liked him coming out of Stanford, and he definitely put on a show at his pro day, answer some critics' questions with that four-five forty on that type of frame that he has, but this Eagles White House room, man, is just too full for me uh, to draft to take a shot on our Sega White side: Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson and Nelson Aguilar are still on the roster and that's not even to mention the mouths that need to be fed in that tight ends room as well with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. I just think it's a matter of limited opportunities for the former Cardinal here in Philadelphia. That's not to say Whiteside will not have upside in the future though. They will inevitably get rid of Nelson Aguilar after this year his contract will be up. That'll inevitably open up some space there in Philadelphia and clear up some opportunities for Whiteside. But as of now, He goes on the bus list here, uh, a guy that I'm probably going to stay away from just in terms of fantasy value. Now, that's not to say that if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't go down in week seven or week five like he so tends to do there in Philadelphia, that we might not throw a waiver wire claim in on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. But just as of now, I think there's way too many mouths to feed there in Philadelphia before we get to Whiteside.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think... That another player kind of in a similar, too many mouths to feed situation. And I know this is gonna, this might hurt deep down inside because I know how much you love him. But your boy AJ Brown for the Tennessee Titans, don't I'm you, staying away don't from you this say guy. Me. Come on. Don't you man. say <laughs> I'm staying, I'm steering clear. And it's, it has nothing to do really even with AJ Brown, it has everything to do with the Tennessee Titans. And I, I think I look at this as a similar situation as the Baltimore Ravens situation, you know, I don't even know if I could in good conscience go come out of my fantasy draft in a redraft league with Derrick Henry as my running back one or running back two. I would be comfortable with him as like a flex guy because everybody in that Titans offense absolutely terrifies me because like the New England Patriots, not that they're as good, but like the New England Patriots, I have no idea who's going to be the number one you know ball carrier every week. I have no idea who's going to be the focus of the passing game every week. Is Delaney Walker going to make an impact this week? Is Corey Davis going to be a wide receiver one this week? Is AJ Brown going to be the target this week? I feel like AJ Brown's the type of guy that would be on my bench with 30 points and then I put him in the next week and he goes for a, you know, either a zero or close and that's just the that's kind of just the Titans' offense type of feel that I get who's going to even play quarterback is it going to be Mariota is he going to get hurt is it going to be Ryan Tannehill is he going to get hurt how do those guys build chemistry with this rookie receiver one at a time I just don't know and therefore I'm steering clear of your boy AJ Brown
2: You know, I mean, I understand staying clear of any Tennessee Titans offensive player uh, in terms of fantasy values. Always probably a smart decision. Uh, that What you're talking about right there with the he could have 30 points this week and two to the next, that is the story of Corey Davis, fantasy owners, since the day he walked into the league. Uh, and I think it's probably going to continue. And, and, and you led to it, man. A lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, inconsistent quarterback play there in Tennessee. And to be quite honest with you, I know you claimed he was your boy last week, but I don't job in gray for what he you know supposedly did in Tennessee last year. I didn't see an extremely explosive offense. I didn't see anything relative uh to what they do out there in LA with the Rams that he's so coveted for being a part of uh prior to getting there to Tennessee. So I wasn't huge on the Green Bay hire, just like I wasn't huge on the Tennessee offense last year, just like I won't be huge on the Tennessee offense this year. But I do love me some A.J. Brown. I'm going over under 600 yards, A.J. Brown, and I'm pounding the over, my guy. Mm. Um, So I think you're a little bit wrong on this one. But I'll stay. But, again, that's just my total bias, and I'm going to be the first one to tell you. Uh, Everyone here that's listening to this knows I love A.J. Brown. So let's continue. Um, And we'll stick in the wide receiver's room, man. Deontay Johnson wide receiver out of Toledo now of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Listen to this, Sarah, 686 receptions, 9,145 yards, and 67 touchdowns. That's what Antonio Brown put up in his last six seasons in Pittsburgh. Just for an average uh, for you, that's 114 receptions per year, 1,524 yards, and just over 11 touchdowns per season. And that's all walked out of the doors in Pittsburgh. Now, I know that all leads to you thinking that wide receiver opportunities are available there in Pittsburgh, but not so fast. Deontay Johnson isn't just about to step in and assume, you know, even the bulk or majority of those touches. The majority of them will go to Juju Smith-Schuster. Some will go to James Washington. And hello, how about Dante Moncrief, a guy they signed a free agency this year. Uh, and not to mention that tight end and freak of a tight end, uh, Vance McDonald. There's still a ton of mouths to feed. Like we said, that's the key word here. It's all about opportunities when we talk about fantasy wide receivers, especially if you're in one of those PPR leagues, or even for that matter, a half a point PPR. Receptions are a major key thing. Opportunities are a major key thing. And again, man, a lot of mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. And I think Johnson's still pretty low on that totem pole there uh, for the Steelers. So again, a lot of a lot of guys above him in terms of depth chart. Uh, so I would stay clear of Deontay Johnson unless you just you know you're in something crazy like a 16 team keeper league or some insanity like that. Which in first case, man, question your life, question your life decisions why you're in a 16 team keeper <laughs> league. Um, but then move forward and stay away from Deontay Johnson. All right, that's my third guy. Uh, give me your third, uh, you know, bust a guy you're trying to stay away from this season uh, in terms of fantasy values, there.
3: Gosh, this gets tough. You know how positive of a guy I am. You know, I'm a positive guy. I think it goes without saying, though. You generally tend to stay away from rookie quarterbacks. And so I'm going to take an obvious one here for my number three. I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins. And not because I don't like Dwayne Haskins as a prospect, but because I think of all the the rookie quarterbacks who are going to play right away, I think he's going to struggle the most. Uh, I, I just think that he's he's so limited athletically he has to win from the pocket and it's going to take him time to be able to do that at the speed of the NFL game. And so I'm going to keep this one pretty short because I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. I don't think anyone's going to really struggle with not drafting this guy, but I'm going to steer clear of Dwayne Haskins. If you have to pick a rookie quarterback to contribute this year, it's obviously got to be Kyler Murray, but I'm taking Dwayne Haskins maybe off the board, maybe pick him up if he starts to catch fire later on and proves me wrong here, which I hope he does. But I'm I'm steering clear of, of Haskins.
2: Man, to me, the just a side note here on fantasy, I know this is a draft-oriented podcast, um, and that's why we're hitting on rookies in particular. But just to me, just a, a safe rule in terms of fantasy, whenever you think you need a quarterback, just wait another round and – draft one later uh the value difference between you know an Aaron Rodgers who most of us thinks the greatest quarterback alive right now and say a guy like Matt Ryan or a guy like Matt Stafford is really not that much when you break it down uh per game value towards the end of the season so you know your, your wide receiver two position or even for that matter your running back two positions always going to be way more valuable in terms of uh points over replacement Uh, than a quarterback and I know that's a little too nerdy uh, but those of you who play fantasy you will respect that opinion there I'm gonna go on my fourth guy here it's Irv Smith there in Minnesota look Kyle Rudolph's played eight seasons in the NFL already believe it or not Sarah and Irv Smith is reportedly lining up quote all over the field in OTAs so maybe they will try to make him more of a weapon instead of a traditional tight end but this is another spot where I just don't see where the touches will end up coming from look We all know about Thielen and Diggs. In fact, last season they accounted for 215 of the 425 receptions uh, for the entire team. That's almost exactly half. It's 50.5% of the total receptions. Their third leading receiver in Minnesota, you asked, Sarah. I know you didn't, but I know you did. Um, You guessed it. It's Kyle Rudolph last season. So, again, I just don't see it here in Minnesota uh, in terms of just pure touches for Irv Smith. Not to mention I think they will make a considerable effort to run the football this season a whole lot more than they did last year, uh, especially now that Dalvin Cook has had more than a full season uh, to repair and uh, get healthy from that knee injury he had just a couple years ago. So Irv Smith, uh, a guy I'm going to stay away from this season, uh, uh, at least until Kyle Rudolph gets off that roster there in Minnesota. So that's a guy for me. Who's your fourth guy you're staying away from, Sarah?
3: I'm going to stay away from Jalen Hurd. I know he was a bit higher draft pick than a lot of people thought he was going to be. And I love the story of him, you know, playing running back at Tennessee and then excelling at wide receiver out at Baylor and just really generally doing really well at both two different positions, playing at an NFL level, really at both positions. But at the same time, I think that that's the type of guy that is going to take some time to really marinate in the NFL and and especially as it relates to fantasy. And he's got some players ahead of him. You already mentioned Debo Samuel, who's going to be getting touches in that offense. And then you mentioned the number of guys already in that San Francisco offense at the receiver position alone, who are going to be getting touches, much less at the running back position, where they've got Jarek McKinnon coming back this year. They've got Matt Breida, who broke out last year and had kind of a Similar season, similar type of season before his injury to Philip Lindsay out in Denver. And so there's mouths to feed out there. And Jalen Hurd was a pretty high draft pick at a skill position. And I think that as far as fantasy-wise, I just don't think that's the type of guy that you're going to hedge your bets on, especially if you have smaller rosters or especially if you're just in you know 12-team leagues or whatever. If you're in that 16-team keeper league like you're talking about, Jalen Hurd might be worth a little stash there at the back end of your draft. But uh, unless you're a diehard San Francisco fan and you think that he's going to you know, take over for somebody or that somebody's going to get hurt and you're kind of just playing all these Jedi mind tricks with everybody, I think Jalen Hurd's a, a player that you might stay away from.
2: All fair criticisms there. Uh, Sarah, I totally agree with you. Jalen Hurd, a guy's got tremendous upside, but we, we're just gonna have to see. Uh, and he's definitely gonna need a lot more seasoning, man. Kyle Shanahan, a former wide receiver. Sarah, quick uh trivia question here: Do you know where Kyle Shanahan attended college and played wide receiver?
3: I do not, I know where Mike Shanahan was. The University was. of Texas,
2: he played okay. with uh quarterback Chris Sims there at U. But nonetheless, a former wide receiver there in Kyle Shanahan, he'll definitely be able to give uh, Jalen Hurd all the ins and outs of playing wide receiver in his system. And, you know, a former wide receiver coach himself. So if he's ever going to get better at the position, it's definitely under Kyle Shanahan. But, again, all fair criticisms from you uh there on Jalen Hurd. My last guy I'm staying away from, and you kind of hit on it earlier, it's that New England Patriots backfield, man. Damian Harris is a guy I'm staying away from. And this pick right here isn't as much of a negative comment about Harris but more of an endorsement of Sonny Michelle. Look, Michelle was the leading rusher for New England last season, despite only playing in, in 13 games. But the thing I'm looking for this year, Sarah, he only had seven receptions out of the backfield last season, did uh, Sonny Michelle? Mm-hmm. They simply just didn't use him in the passing game at all. And this is a guy at the University of Georgia that averaged 9.7 yards per catch out of the backfield there in college. So I think we get a huge sophomore season from Sonny Michelle. And for that reason, I'm out on Damian Harris um there in New England. And again, it's a lot like what you talked about on every Sunday morning. You really don't know what you're gonna wake up and get um out of the backfield there in New England. So it can be really, really frustrating in terms of being a fantasy owner. And for that reason, I would just stay away from him in general. But if you had to take one, I'm definitely taking Sony Michelle. Like I said, I think we see a huge and I mean huge sophomore season from Sony Michelle. I'm thinking maybe a Pro Bowl here in his sophomore season there.
3: Mm, I like that. I like that confidence right there. That's nice. I uh I love Sonny Michelle, man. Watching him play at Georgia and seeing him last year down the stretch run with the Patriots. I mean he was just unstoppable. So I'm with you. I mean he could be if you're looking at I mean if we do a non rookie sleeper fantasy show or any type of fantasy show I think we could talk a lot about Sonny Michelle and a number of these sophomore players from just that stellar skill position rookie class last year. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think that's a great, great pick there. I was actually looking at Damian Harris as well here because I love him as a player, but I think he's going to be more of a game day impact guy than a fantasy impact guy as well. Um, but I'm going to, I had to close out my list here, don't I? I got, I got number five here on the docket. I think that this year's running back class was so weird. Yes, sir. You know, it, it was just a weird running back class. It seemed like everyone was kind of like you know a second to third round type of player. But I'm going to take Devin Singletary as a guy that I'm not picking in this year's draft. I know that we've got LaShawn McCoy one more year probably in Buffalo, and we got one year out of Frank Gore there. Devin Singletary could very well end up playing this year because both of those guys are older and they could end up getting – injured but you don't want to predict injuries when you're drafting fantasy guys you kind of take that as it comes and so Devin Singletary if you're if you're a dynasty league person he's a good pickup for you know your your third or fourth round pick but if you're just playing redraft leagues he's pretty much undraftable in my opinion you're you're probably going to see two buffalo players get picked and if it was me I wouldn't pick either of those guys you know personally I would not take I wouldn't take McCoy or Frank Gore on my team right now. It's just a weird, it's a weird situation, and you can kind of, you can usually kind of predict which teams are going to have good running back by committee situations. I don't think Buffalo's is going to be all that great, um, and I think Singletary's probably the best back on that, that team long term. But uh, I just don't think it's going to happen for him this year, so I'm going to take him off the off the board relatively early, and uh, I think I'd feel pretty confident about that.
2: Yeah, man, and, and up leading up to the draft and the pre-draft process, everyone knew that I was a huge Devin Singletary guy. In fact, he was my running back one on my big board. Even though I do like Josh Jacobs, I think it was pretty, pretty close there. Um, and had Devin Singletary maybe played at a bigger program, I highly doubt he falls all the way to the third or what was it, maybe fourth round there from mm-hmm. Buffalo. But like you said, a pretty crowded and veteran-led uh, running backs room there in Buffalo. Uh, so maybe some limited touches early, but like you said, probably some injury opportunities there uh, in Buffalo. So as much as it hurts me to say, I honestly did think about picking Deviled Singletary as a guy I'm probably going to stay away from this year. But you know what? Next season – Uh, probably, you know, towards the end of this season, he's definitely going to get a lot of touches there in Buffalo. Uh, And then maybe next year, early, we might see him come off the boards uh, just because of what he did late this season. Uh, So uh, definitely a guy I liked coming out of college, but definitely don't like necessarily the situation he's in. Even though, like we talked about last show, in our off seasons that we liked, uh, Buffalo, man, they got an entirely new offensive line, uh, you know, in hopes of protecting Josh Allen there, uh, so maybe it impacts the running game, uh, you know, there in Buffalo as well. But those are our guys, our five must, and our absolute five busts uh, in terms of rookies this year uh, for your fantasy drafts. I know some of those, they're probably not coming up until, what, 1st of September or whatnot there uh, in most fantasy drafts. Got to get – I think the most uh, drafted day in terms of fantasy is the Sunday after week three of the preseason Because, you know, no one plays week four. Uh, So most of the drafts are done then. But you got it in a little early here from us on the NFL Mox podcast because that's what we do. We beat everyone to the take. Sarah, I appreciate Mm -hmm. you for joining us here. Uh, As you always do, Sarah will not be with us on Thursday night, unfortunately. He's got some stuff he's got to handle. So, Sarah, man, let the people know. Uh, You know, you got this is the last they'll hear from you for a week, a full week, man. No takes for a week from you. So fire one off. You got a hot hot take you want to spill
3: or anything like
2: that or just anything you want to say in general, my man.
3: I think we got to keep in theme, man. I think we got to keep in theme here because I've mentioned the Cleveland Browns on just about every show that I've been on. And I got to I got to comment on this. I got to throw some shade if that's still. People are still saying that, but uh, the Cleveland Browns, they took their first L of the off season, baby. I mean, you hate to see it. Uh, Gerald McCoy left probably a lot more money on the table, I'm guessing, to sign with the Carolina Panthers and spurned the Cleveland Browns, who were probably already printing up their McCoy 93 jerseys. They've already punched their tickets to Super Bowl 54. They're ready to go, man, and and uh, the, the Browns, a shocking L for them this offseason, otherwise flawless. Like I said on the the previous podcast, I think they've had the best offseason of any team in the league. But you know, you take this big L right here, you're getting you could have had Gerald McCoy and Sheldon Richardson on the interior with Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon on the outside. And shame, man. It's just a shame. Um, but the Carolina Panthers are loving life right now. They've got They've got Gerald McCoy to pair with Kawan Short and, and Dontari Poe on the inside. And your boy Brian Birds I know how much you love him uh, on the edge. So, yeah, man, taking oh, that man. L, Cleveland Browns.
2: Man, one thing I think just that cracks me up every time I hear it is the you just hate to see it, man. <laughs> I love that phrase. I don't know where it came from. It seems it. like it's a 2019 thing on social media. You just hate to see it, man. Um, you know, it's one of my one of my favorite things going around. Uh, one of my favorite trends going around social media. But for those of you that are still listening to this podcast right now, man, do us a little favor: like, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, you know that's how we climb up those browse boards. Uh, that's how we climb up those categories. Uh, we appreciate you guys for doing that. If you've got any questions, whether they be draft on draft questions or maybe some early impact or whatever, whatever some some names we're not necessarily talking about, or maybe a team specific question. If you got anything like that, feel free to leave it uh, there in your five star review, uh, in your rating, and in your review there on your iTunes or wherever you find us. So you can find us out or find us on Twitter. At NFL Mox if you've got any podcast questions you want, or you can hit up Sarah at Sarah Bettinger on Twitter. And as of course, as always, you can hit me up at Brooks underscore Austin FS. Sarah, I think I did all the promotional stuff there, uh, and I left you the NFLmox.com stuff. So what do we got coming up uh, over there on the website? What can people look forward to, and what can they be reading in the next coming weeks from us?
3: Man, we're just going to be hitting this offseason dead time really hard by looking at a lot of just accumulation of what teams are doing. And so one thing that I love to do at this time of year is kind of just recap. Uh, Most teams are done making their major moves, obviously, unless a player like Gerald McCoy and Damakensu hasn't signed yet, which they pretty much have. And now that June 1st is over, you got a lot of post-June 1 cuts that happen or trades that could happen or um, guys who don't count against next year's compensatory formula. So the free agency game picks up a little bit more for some guys, and some guys who couldn't pass a physical early can now. So you kind of do uh, a little bit of recap and a little bit of, there's still a little bit of predicting left to be done. But uh, this is the time of year when I really like to do a lot of, hey, who's the best? What are the best moves these teams made? So look out for a lot of those types of posts. Uh, on NFL mocks and then we like to dig into the undrafted guys as well man this is the time of year where you can do some deep dive into some of what these scouts have been doing all throughout the year they're they're prized possessions the diamonds in the rough and uh, try to discover them for ourselves before the preseason games start heating up
2: Yeah, man. I think the last statistic I heard was just a little bit over fifty percent of the league is made up of undrafted free agents. So it's definitely something that teams need to hit on, and the best teams do it. Teams like the New England Patriots seem to find a, you know an undrafted gym every single season. Teams like the Indianapolis Colts have been nailing on it since uh, Chris Ballard's taken over there. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is just your good teams. They dominate undrafted free agency, mm-hmm. uh, and they and they should because that's you know like I said, uh, you know not everybody gets looked over, um, but those that do, uh, you know, sometimes impact your team as early as week one. So we'll be looking forward to that over on NFLMOX.com. And as always, we'll be back here on Thursday night. Episode will be available Friday morning. I don't really know what I'm going to do. I'll probably sit on here and pick my nose uh, because I'll be all by myself. But nonetheless, I'll have something for you. It'll be entertaining. To listen to me run my suck. Uh, which I always love to do. So we appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next time here on the NFL Mocks podcast. And you know what to do: like, subscribe, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Sarah.
3: Thank you.